Welcome back to our second of the season. It's Graham McCarr here with the AFC Dons cast straight after our first home match of the season against Celtic. More than that coming up shortly. Also on today's edition, we bring you an extended interview with Dave Cormack, thanks to the Press Box podcast from Graham Spears. We have the normal mix of news and supporters news on the AFC Dons cast on Sunday the 13th of August 2023. scene was set a sunny day a park petaudry red army on song and the old lady was looking pretty good after its summer refit with the arrival of celtic to open the campaign at home in our lunchtime kickoff earlier today a few injuries to contend with in the squad with reese williams and angus mcdonald still out johnny hayes was also injured replaced by ryan duncan in the starting 11 a new signing james mcgarry was still to join the squad head of kickoff we remembered former manager craig brown with a minute's applause Despite an impressive performance from the Dons, Celtic were 3-1 winners on the day. Lyle Abada scored the opener after a bar decision overturned an offside call, but Boyan Mioski levelled for the Dons in the 25th minute. A defensive lapse from Nicky Devlin allowed Kyogo Furuhashi to put the visitors ahead to make it 2-1, with Matt O'Reilly putting in their third late into the second half. Aberdeen will take pride from the performance, although one point in two games is not the start the manager or the Red Army would have liked. Lots to be proud of though, and on another day, Celtic were there for the taking. Here's Barry Robson. From the Dons, are you disappointed in the final analysis not to get anything out of it? Yeah, I th- for me, I thought we were outstanding for 95 minutes there. Um, I think that's as good a performance I've seen at home from our Dean team against Celtic in a long time. Um, I thought the way we pressed them, the way we chased them, the way we, um, the way we tried to pass through them quickly, the way we tried to be brave and score goals. Um, I thought we brought all of that. And it was probably our individual errors that caught us out in the end. Um, and plus the quality and, and, um, of the team, the opposition you're coming up against. Obviously the second half didn't produce as much for the Dons in the way of goal scoring opportunities. But were you as happy with the second half as you were with the first? Well, I think so. I, don't, I think it'd be interesting to see the possession stats there at the end. Especially the second half. I think Celtic were more camped in than us, really. And that doesn't happen often. Um, so I think possession-wise, we were um, right up there with them today. But the way we pressed, the way we counter-pressed, the, the transitions we were so dangerous and um, we looked like we were going to... I think it was two or three real good opportunities. We need to take them and and, and, and hopefully we will as we go on. But um, I was just, I was really pleased with them. I was frustrated I've never got in and out this game today because I don't think we deserve to lose that. Obviously, it was difficult defensively. There are players playing in maybe not their number one positions, filling in to a certain extent. Players who did really well today, but it, but it's tough, isn't it, against Scotland's best team? Yeah, I think it's a treble-winning team and top manager they've got as well. Um, yeah, we've got a couple of injuries at the minute, but we're also looking to take three or four players in, which is going to be good. So um, I think we'll, we'll look all right. We're trying to build the squad properly. We're not. Um, I don't want uh, when we came in the back end of last season um, 
we probably finish with about eight loans in the team. Um, I don't want to finish the next season with that. I want to um, build a team that's Aberdeen's team. Um, and we've done that slowly. We're trying to do it slowly. And the board have been brilliant. They've been really good. And we're trying to sign players that are our players, like Leighton Clarkson, like Graham Shinney, um, Esther Sockler, uh, Nicky Devlin, players that are our players, you know. And um, We will need to use the loan market because it's important. But... Um, we've still got to sign some more it's going to be our, our players and, and if we don't get the right ones we'll have to wait until the next window because I don't want to um, jump into everything too quick and, and I want to build it steadily And what helps as well if, is if the likes of Shade Morris and Dante Pulvara who previously were peripheral figures in the squad take more of a part in it Yeah well I liked them as soon as I saw the two of them um, I really liked them so that's why they're still here and I thought yeah I could make something out of, of these players they're, they're talented boys we lost uh, Rabadani but I know that there's some other players that um, hopefully will um, that's here or can come in that um, can hopefully unproven Rama who Rama was a, a, a brilliant footballer but I think you see out there Danny Pulvara has got all the attributes to be as good if not better so um, and you also would Ryan Duncan out of position today who I think can play wide in the three, he can also um, play as a number eight. We've played him out of position because we've got Johnny Hayes injured and we've got Jimmy McGarry and no in the, in the building yet. So he went out there and I thought he was outstanding. So you can see that um, they're bright tactically. We work with them a lot on that. So um, yeah, I thought they were very good today. So you were much more encouraged by that performance, not just for 45, but for 90 against top opposition, than you are disappointed that in the end you didn't get anything from the game? Because in the first half, it, it did look as if there was a fatal chance of getting something out yeah, of it. Yeah, I think so, but um, if you ask that question again, if you, if you look at the second half, we were probably more possession than them, so we've got to be pleased with that. At Celtic Football Club, they've got a budget of who knows what. They've got players that are ridiculously more all that so if you look at us as a team the way we brought our energy and our speed and all that in the first half of the bit of a basketball and it was probably us that had more possession and they were kind of hitting us now that doesn't happen a lot with, with, with playing Celtic so for me yeah we were pleased in both halves thanks Barry cheers Rob cheers catch live audio and video of our next match only on Red TV subscribe now for full match day coverage replays highlights and all the goals exclusive interviews and behind the scenes content Sign up now at redtv.afc.co.uk. The best of the action, only on Red TV. St Mirren beat Dundee 2-1 in Paisley on Saturday in the Premiership to make it two wins out of two. Rangers solved Livingston 4-0 at Ibrox and Ross County defeated St Johnston 2-0 in Dingwall. Queen's Park are the only team in the Championship with a 100% record following their 2-1 victory over Arbroath at Lesser Hamden. Wraith Rovers beat Greenock Morton 3-2 at Starks Park and Air United edged out Inverness Cali Thistle 1-0 at Somerset Park. Air Unions beat Partick Thistle 2-1 at the Excelsior Stadium while Dundee United and Dunfermline Athletic drew 1-0 at Tannadice. Hamontanakis lead the way in League One thanks to their 2-0 triumph away to Kelty Hearts. Sterling Albion also have a 100% record after beating local rivals Allo Athletic 1-0 at the Indodrill Stadium. Queen of the South hit back to defeat Edinburgh City 2-1 at Meadowbank Stadium. And Montrose were 3-1 winners away to Annan Athletic. Cove Rangers and Falkirk drew 2-0 at the Balmoral Stadium. Bonnie Rig Rose were the only winners in League Two, beating Clyde 2-0 at New Douglas Park. They are second on goal difference behind Peter Head, who drew 0-0 with Stenhousemuir at Balmour. 
It was also 0-0 between Forth Athletic and Elgin City at Station Park. Dumbarton and Spartans drew 1-0 and that was also the result as Stranraer hosted East Fife. In the Premiership on Sunday, Hearts and Kilmarnock played out a no-score draw and Motherwell were 2-1 winners at Fair Park against Hibs. There are 77 days left of this season. That is going to go by like a bat. No opponent will give you the game. You have to go out and you have to earn it. Let's go to work. Come on. Newcastle United has been sold with immediate effect. What's the ambition? It's to be number one. That's the ambition. This is the biggest deal the club will have ever done. Last year, the measure of success was to not be relegated. This year, it's slightly different. Like, I don't know how this has happened. Our aim has to be top four. And we was born to play Champions League. Champions League, it's about 45 million to the bottom line. <laughs> when I went to school, I liked it. Is that Mrs Osborne there? I used to fancy her when I was a kid. There is pressure on everybody to deliver. It's a mindset. It's how strong you are. We have been very active in the transfer market. Everybody thinks that this adds another 20% to it and sell it to Newcastle. I think they're bluffing. We need to win games. We need to score goals. Eddie Howe trying to lift his team out of a recent dip in form. Fucking hell, lads. Fucking hell. If they want a quick game, come in here. Let's fucking do it. Let's blow it away with our running. Let's be intense in every action that we do. Newcastle United's storied history at the heart of one of the world's great football cities and explore the club's unique bond with its passionate supporters as they follow their team in a season that has already defied expectations. We are Newcastle United every Friday on Amazon Prime Video. OK, let's catch up with the news then. A New Zealand international, James McCarry, has joined the Dons on a three-year deal. The 25-year-old becomes our ninth signing of the summer, arriving from Central Coast Mariners for an undisclosed fee. The left-sided defender came through the ranks at Wellington Phoenix before joining Willem II, and it was there he earned his sole all-whites cap before he returned to his first club in 2020 and made 38 appearances. His performances earned him a move to Newcastle Jets before Central Coast signed him in February, and he went on to help them win the A-League Grand Final in their most recent season. Kieran Nguyen has joined Championship side Partick Thistle on loan and will spend the rest of the season at Firhill. The 20-year-old from Edinburgh made his Aberdeen debut in a league win over Ross County in December 2020 and has since made one more appearance for the first team. He was also involved in the pre-season games at Tariff and Fraserburgh this summer. Our upcoming fixtures against St Mirren away and Hibs at home have been moved due to our European matches. The away match against St Mirren will now be on Sunday the 27th of August at 3pm and the home match against Hibs will now be played on Sunday the 3rd of September also at 3pm. And talking of those European matches, we're either heading to Lithuania or Sweden in our UEFA Europa League playoff round later this month. We'll face either FK Zalgiris Vilnius and BK Haken. The away fixture taking place first on Thursday the 24th of August. 
We have European history with both of our potential opponents. The Dons overcame Vilnius 5-4 on aggregate in the UEFA Cup second preliminary round in 1996. More recently, we defeated BK Haken 5-3 on aggregate in the UEFA Conference League second preliminary round in 2021. Haken are 3-1 up in their third qualifying first leg, so we look to be Sweden-bound for the playoff. Tickets for the home match, which takes place on Thursday the 31st of August at 7.45pm, are now on sale to season ticket holders until 5pm on the 22nd of August and will then go on general sale. You can order your tickets at tickets.afc.co.uk or by phone on 01224 63 Despite St Andrews being the home of golf, it was the home to Dundee United versus Aberdeen under-18s in the Club Academy Scotland 18s League. The sun was shining down on the St Andrews University Sports Complex in what was set to be a close tie. Dundee United ended at 1-0 ahead, but it was three Aberdeen second-half goals that secured the win. The second half started brilliantly for the Young Dons as in the 50th minute, United goalkeeper Haldane dropped the ball and picked it back up again, meaning the referee gave a free kick to Aberdeen inside of the United box. The free kick was taken by Hamilton, who rolled the ball to Bavage, who struck a hard shot which ricocheted off numerous United players before ending up in the back of the net. In the 63rd minute, Aberdeen captured the lead after some brilliant passing around the edge of the box which left space for Fraser Mackey, who had just come on to hit a low and hard shot which fired past the United goalkeeper. Tension seemed to rise after the second goal with the United desperate to get back into the game. This came to a head in the 75th minute where Babbage collected the ball and drove towards goal. Whilst doing this, United midfielder Bertie lunged into a dangerous challenge and took out the Aberdeen striker. This led to Bertie being sent off and put United down to 10 men. Despite being a man down, Dundee United managed to bring the game back to level in the 80th minute before a penalty after Forbes was taken down in the box by Alfie Stewart. Forbes took the penalty and calmly placed the ball into the bottom right corner. Coming into the last five minutes, Aberdeen were pushing hard for a goal to give them the three points. With two minutes left on the clock, Fletcher Boy took a shot which deflected off the back of a Dundee United defender. However, the deflection fell perfectly to the feet of Findlay Marshall, who fired a rocket into the back of the net to make it 3-2. And finally, Scott Anderson's development side will play Peterhead in the next round of the SPFL Trophy. The game against Peterhead will take place on Tuesday night at Fermartin United's home ground. Kick-off at North Lodge Park is at 7.30pm. Cash turnstiles will be in operation, £10 for adults and £5 for over 65s and under-18s. Do you still think I'm a traitor, yes or no? We all think everyone's traitors, mate. Nothing happens in this castle without a twist. 22 players. All chasing a prize of up to £120,000. Doggy dog and I'm starving. But hidden amongst them, three traitors who want to steal it all. No! These traitors can murder you just have a drop of a hat. Can the others find them before it's too late? I don't know where to point the finger. I need to be careful with what I say. Get them before they get you. Expect trickery. This has been lying all the way through. This is just so messed up. Betrayal. I do think Ivan is a traitor. <gasps> it's war. It's exhausting. And backstabbing. You're a liar and you're a liar. Oh, my God! Not a traitor, I swear on everything. Let the mind games begin. Series 2 of The Traitors is not too far away. Catch up with Series 1 on BBC iPlayer. Graeme Spears caught up with Dave Cormack recently on his Press Box podcast and Graeme has kindly allowed us to play out the interview in full. It's an interesting hour of listening and here it is. First of all, Dave, um, since I saw you that troubling and extremely stressful January evening at Easter Road. Um, you've had quite the time of it. Football, health, business. 
Tell me, first of all, about your physical health. Are you, are you hale and hearty again? Yes, thanks, uh, Graham. Yeah, no, um, it was quite the surprise, you know, obviously after that week from hell, so to speak, um, losing kind of big time to Hearts and Hibs and then in Darville. Um, a week later or 10 days later, I went back to the States and um, I had a, I had a basically a, a checkup to see, because um, I had high cholesterol, a checkup to see where I had, um, if there were any issues. And I'm just glad I was curious about my health. And I think it's important everybody be curious about their health. And anyway, cutting a long story short, I'm perfectly healthy, feel the same as I do today. And um, my cardiologist, after um, putting a, a camera basically up through um, artery in my arm, came out and said, um, you need a triple heart bypass surgery. The, the, main, um, the main artery, the widow maker, as they, they actually call it, had two blockages, 95% uh, at the top and 90% at the bottom, and two other arteries were clogged as well. So I, I just, I said, well, how on earth could I... How on earth could I have no symptoms? And they said, well, you're a pretty healthy guy. And it's amazing what the body does to, to try and deal with it. But um, um, so a week later, I had a top surgeon um, do triple heart bypass surgery. They went in, said the heart was in fantastic shape. No damage had been done, thankfully. You know, if I'd left it, I'd have probably had a heart attack in 12 months. And um, I managed to walk two miles, albeit very slowly, a week later. The recovery has been great, I feel. Fantastic. I've got the war wound of the seven or eight inch scar down my chest where they kind of break you open and, and go in and do their stuff. But uh, I feel great. Thanks, Graham. Good, good. Thank thank God for modern, brilliant medicine and science. It's a, a, a never ending miracle to me. So uh, that's great to hear, uh, Dave. Uh, listen, I'm going to, uh, having asked you about your health, I'm going to cut right to the quick, the dawns. Now, Dave, here's one thing I've been thinking. It will be coming up for 10 years since Aberdeen last won a trophy. That that needs fixed, doesn't it? That's uh, that's overdue for a club of this size. Yeah, no, listen, no doubt that, um, you know, we've um, had some opportunities. We've been to a whole host of finals, um, particularly in the, you know, particularly in the, the first few years of, of the, this last 10 years. But, you know, it's been 33 years since we won the Scottish Cup. And um, and so, yeah, listen, I think that at the end of the day, you know, we start off every season, you know, looking to do our absolute utmost in the league, qualify for Europe. And hopefully you um, you, you, you can you can drive and, and win a cup every few seasons. Um, so um, that's very much uppermost in our minds. Um, but, but listen, overall, you know, I've been back involved with the club now six years, six plus years, actually, and um, as director, vice chairman, chairman. And, you know, we still got a very consistent board that there. Stuart Milne's still active on the board. Stuart and I have been friends for about 30 years. And we all want the same thing, you know, which is to see the club be successful. We've implemented a new strategy, which is, is a speculating to accumulate strategy in the sense that, you know, we'll lose a few million each year operationally, but the player trading model is the model we've gone with, which allows us to spend more on wages and transfer fees each year. But um, but we have to have that strong conveyor belt, which is why we've invested significantly in recruitment 
um, of, um, of players and double down on our academy. But listen, at the end of the day, you know, it's about winning, right? And uh, it's about time we won a trophy. Well, it's been a it's been a huge summer rebuild yet again for the Dons. I'm looking at uh, 12 first team players, I think. Some of them loans that have gone. Leighton Clarkson in, a huge signing, surely. Nicky Devlin in. Angus McDonald staying on. Graeme Shinney now permanent. Reese Williams, a full season on, on loan from Liverpool. Dante Polvara is back. Uh, Slobodan, Rubicic and Esther Sockler, two players I know less about. And and I think more to come, maybe the New Zealand defender, James McGarry. What a rebuild. Yeah, well, um, we're hoping and praying that we don't do this kind of every summer, so to speak. Um, I have to have to admit, I'm not a very patient person. If you if you ask Alan Burroughs and Stephen Gunn and the guys, we all we all got on great together. And I can just tell you, people have no idea the work that goes in. I mean, the work that Alan, Stephen Gunn, um, Jordan Miles, in fact, um, who is our new um, yeah. head of recruitment um, from West Ham. Uh, Darren Mowbray has been fantastic with us. You know, he was with us right through the beginning of July and has continued to to kind of be available to help with stuff, uh, which is which is good. Um, but I uh, I find this the most most frustrating couple of months of the the year, to be honest, because um, you know we it's well documented now that we uh, we were after Tony Teklic, who ended up going to Turkey. Um, it was a four month kind of chase. Um, you know, we thought the boy was coming to Aberdeen right till kind of the last minute. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, the wages in Turkey um, kind of gazumped us, which, you know. Dave, is, Dave, just, out of, Dave just out of interest with Teklic, because I know I, I followed this story. What are the what are the kind of mechanics of that? I mean, lots of meetings with the players, lots of chat with the players' agent. Did did he ever come to Petodri? Did he ever come to Aberdeen? Did people go out to Turkey? Is it quite a palaver behind the scenes to try and land the player? Oh, it's it's definitely a significant effort. I think we probably watched the boy live. Our scouting team did three, four, five times. Um, I don't have the exact number. Um, and, you know, um, Barry and um, Stephen Gunn, you know, had multiple um, uh, had multiple video calls with players and the agent. The player wanted to come to Aberdeen, no doubt about that. But you know, listen, when you're dealing with the vagaries of um, Europe, right? And which, for example, the coach, the head coach at, um, I can't even pronounce the team, um, in Turkey, I always I always get it, 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 my tongue tri- it tripped up Transpor, whatever it is. Um, the head coach there is Croatian, who's great friends with the head coach of the Croatian national team, right? Whose son is the chief executive of the club we're trying to buy Tonio from, right? So um, you you could kind of say maybe the odds were against us, and why did we do the chase? But the player absolutely wanted to come to Aberdeen. And um, I I met the player on a couple of calls, including on the last day, um, just about the opportunity. Uh, he'll play at Aberdeen. He'll get a tremendous platform in Europe. Um, and at the end of the day, it wasn't about the transfer fee. At the end of the day, 
it was about the the, the wages and just that that I, I guess with that short careers for players and it's understandable that that kind of desire to secure your future um and versus come to Aberdeen we've demonstrated with players like you know, Ferguson and um, McKenna um, McCrory now, um, uh, other uh, other players. We've demonstrated that we can give people a platform, and at the right time, we let them move on. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a a long um, uh, kind of chase. We felt he was, and he was, a, he was an out and out number ten. Would have been great in our system. But listen, um, there's other fish in the sea, and you know we we have always got three, four, five players that are, you know in that box, so to speak, for certain positions. Um, however, um, you know, not every player is available. The players that we're going after are players that are under contract. There's there's very few. We obviously great to get Nicky Devlin from Livingston, who was out of contract. But by and large, I mean, if you take a look at Minchini, still under contract. And, um, and Wigan still wanted Graham. You know, Derby were in for Graham as well. And that wasn't an easy deal to get done, but we got it done. And Graham's desire was clearly to, be, to come to back to Aberdeen. I've stayed in touch with Graham since he left um, myself, because I, you know, I, it's important that doesn't matter what you're running a business or a football club. It is important that, and you get to know these guys, you know. Um, and obviously, with Ramadani now moving on to um, to Syria, ah, I mean, I just got a lovely, lovely text from him this morning that he's past his medical and he's he can't thank Aberdeen enough for the platform ideally we would have kept him but this is something that Barry Barry approved and um, because you know we believe that Ram is replaceable and that we can use that money to good use um from a from a replacement standpoint okay but, um, but anyway that's um it is quite a frustrating as I say, um, time time of the year, Graham. Couple of couple of players I I want to ask you about. First of all, what chance a Liam Scales return to Aberdeen? Do you think? I'm I'm led to believe Aberdeen would like him. Would like to sign him. Uh, and and another thing, the second part of the question, Dave, in terms of recruitment. And and listen, recruitment can be a, you know, you can. You can find gems or players that don't work out. Uh, you know, one of one of your hottest players last season was Duke. Obviously, he was, I believe, a really good recruitment find. Is he staying? Has there been interest in him? Can you keep him? Oh, I, I, listen, we don't need to sell any players, and Duke is happy at Aberdeen. He's got two years left on his contract, so we do have some time, um, and. Um, the, the same, we've actually got three years left with Miofsky. We don't need to say, sell any of these players. All these players are happy at Aberdeen. We've got, obviously, got group stage football coming, whether it's the Europa League proper itself or the Conference League. Um, Liam is a player that Barry and Steve and the team really like, uh, but he's a Celtic player, you know, and so the ball is very firmly, you know, in Celtic's court. Um, and I think we just need to be patient with. Um, the decision Celtic make, whether to have him in their squad or to sell him or to put him out on loan. Okay. Um, and, and listen, you've got like a young player like Alfie Bavage. Um, I don't know how many young 
gems the dons have got coming through but i i keep reading about alfie and hearing about alfie and i hear high hopes for alfie now of course the danger is here in my case i don't want to do this i don't want to hype a young kid up but um this could be a this could be an exciting season for that kid couldn't it yes listen alfie is still a young boy i think he's just 17 um and um very very high not just for alfie you know um but um we got marsh marshall um in midfield um a young boy is who's who's in the first team squad just now as well um and there's a whole host of young guys that are coming through um so i think you know if you, if you think back to gavin levy that runs the academy and the women's team he's the director over that um and neil simpson before that and we've really doubled down and I think we've seen the advantage of having our own training ground now as well, Graham, is that we are attracting and retaining um, academy players. Um, every one of our academy teams from under eight through to under 16 go on at least one European top level elite youth tour uh, tournament each year, which we think, and, and listen, we're getting invited to the top tournaments. And the reason we're being invited is because we're competitive. We beat Liverpool in the final last year. Um, and so that for us, if you think back to Aberdeen being successful, Graham, and listen, I'm older than you, I think, and I go back um, a long way. If you think about Eddie Turnbull, right, was came from 1965 to Aberdeen. He got rid of 17 players in one season, and he brought in the likes of Bobby Clark, right? who was a young whippersnapper then. He still is, but he's about 77 now. I keep telling Bobby. Um, and But you think of that period there, you know, when we beat Celtic in the Scottish Cup final in 1970, Arthur Graham was 17 years old, bumper Graham. We had a young team, Martin Martin Buchan, still the only um, Aberdeen boy too. Martin Buchan, still the only player to captain um, a Scottish and English FA Cup winning team. Man United when he went on to Man United and, and obviously Aberdeen 1970. But um, it hadn't been for, we were very close to, to, to Pippin Celtic in the league. I think it was 70-71. Um, and if Eddie hadn't gone back to his first love of Hibernian, I'm convinced that we would have had a very good early 70s. Um, so the point there is um, young players coming through, giving them a platform and then through to Sir Alec Ferguson's time, Fergie's time with us as well, where the young crop um, came through, a bit like Fergie's fledglings at Man United. And so for us as a club to be successful, and if we want to invest more than we bring in in money each year, right, then we have to have a player trading model that um, that, that helps us uh, achieve um, the goals that, that, that we set out. Dave, listen, you've, you've slightly derailed me here, but because you have, oh my goodness, I'm, I don't know what you're like. I'm a terrible guy for uh, nostalgia. I mean, when you mention Eddie Turnbull at Aberdeen, when you mention Martin Buchan, that period of Joe Harper, the period of Cup Ty Mackay, Arthur yeah. Graham, a bit later on, Davy Robb. Uh, oh, I've, I've watched Endless. I don't know, you've probably seen it. There's... um. There's great footage of, of Martin Buchan lifting, I think, the Drybra Cup at Pataudry 
That's uh, right. The long forgotten in seventy one, and you know th- these young kids in, in the in the prime of their youth, and your football heroes. You want them to remain like that, don't you? You don't want them to be like you and me and grow old. You want them to be to remain the these beautiful young footballers. And when you mention um, uh, Eddie Turnbull, and goodness me, I want to get back on track here because there's lots of questions I want to ask you. But when you mention Eddie Turnbull, um, it was often said within the Scottish context, that the one manager that Jockstein feared was Eddie Turnbull. That Eddie Turnbull had his, knew what Jockstein was about, knew what he was about tactically. And I think Eddie Turnbull had lots of success uh, or some considerable success as Aberdeen manager against Celtic, not least that famous day at Hamden in the Scottish Cup final. Yeah, and of course, um, we, we, we did lose to Celtic in 67. Um, in the cup final, um, then obviously when Celtic won the the European Cup, um, now the Champions League, um, two 0 But um, but he built a tremendous um a system at Aberdeen of how they were going to play. Bobby Clark said to me that um when he came to Aberdeen and at that time he was still he was still going through um Jordan Hill to get to be a PE teacher, you know, um. And he, he said to me that um, got to Aberdeen and Eddie Turnbull actually was the, one of the first coaches. He'd studied Italian football and Eddie actually had balls out there, right? So they were actually running with balls and, and doing ball work as opposed to just yes. you know, going, getting on the dunes down at Vitaudry or out north of Aberdeen <laughs> and running around. Yeah. And um, so, uh, and that really... Um, that really perked Bobby Clark up from a coaching standpoint, you know, and Bobby was always a teacher, you know, he had, Bobby had opportunities in the States to coach MLS teams, right? But he always wanted to stay within the college university system because he was a teacher. Mm. And, um, and, 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 I mean, to this day, he put 55 guys professional in his college career, mm. including internationals. So, um, but anyway, the point is, is that if you take a look at, at the path where Aberdeen have been successful, we've invested significantly and given the opportunity to young players. That's the critical thing is giving these boys uh, an opportunity. Tell me, tell me about your relationship with Barry Robson. Uh, I like the cut of Barry Robson's jib very much. And this is a guy who stepped up and did remarkably well last season, didn't he? I mean, who knows? what the months ahead might hold, maybe good, maybe bad, but Barry made himself unavoidable for the job, didn't he? Just given the way he turned the team around. Yeah, listen, Barry's been waiting in the wings to be Aberdeen manager for about six years, you know? Um, he, if, if, I've known Barry a long time. He's an Aberdeen boy as well, although he's got a bit of, spent maybe spent too much time down in Glasgow. He's got a bit of that kind of twang there and, <laughs> I'm actually I'm actually doing a presentation to the software company I'm chairman of in the States. We've actually got our annual or, or biannual sales meeting with 50, 60 people going to be there. And they asked me to do a presentation on kind of um, the comparison of being competitive in football to being unsuccessful and the same in the software success with growth, you know. And they, they, my son-in-law, who knows Barry, um, who is our VP of sales said to me, he said, um, could we get Barry on the call? 
I said, well, um, I'm not sure if we get Barry on there, do you think they'd be able to understand him? And he said, no, you're <laughs> probably right. <laughs> and, um, and so hopefully Barry's not listening to this. But Barry's, Barry, listen, Barry has been um, obviously learned significantly under Derek McInnes. But Barry always wanted to have his own team. And so he's had the under 18s and the development team for a number of years. And this style of football that we're kind of playing, this strong counter pressing, high energy, um, Barry has been playing um, with the under 18s and development team for a number of seasons. And, and um, you know, I mean, listen, last year, hindsight's a wonderful thing. I and mean, obviously, it was really unfortunate it didn't work out, you know, with Stephen, Stephen Glass. Um, and, 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 and maybe should have given Barry longer last year, but, you know, that I think that across the board, we felt bringing somebody in for more experience, um, uh, was the thing to do. Um, but look, fast forward, um, there was no doubt that Barry was going to get time because we needed time as a board after the shock of that week. Um, in particular, um, to, to, to basically take a step back and review where we were. Um, so after um, parted company amicably with Jim, and I still chat with Jim, um, after the, the Hibs game, first call I made was, was to Barry. And the very first thing Barry said he wanted to do was bring in Steve Agnew, who, as you know, is highly, highly experienced yes. um, assistant manager in the English Premiership and championship for about 15 years. And he was Barry's, one of Barry's coaches when he was at Middlesbrough, right? And so, um, so listen, right after I spoke to Barry, Steve got on a plane the next day, came up to help Barry out. And I think that that's something, if you look at younger managers, it's something that younger managers don't do enough of, is bring on that experience round about them because it really is hard. I think back to my own career in business going back, and I think of some of the mentors I had round about me that helped me, um, you know, probably stopped me making certain mistakes because of the experience they had. So I think right from the get-go, bringing on Steve Agnew was a, was a master stroke, you know, for Barry. But make no mistake, um, Barry had been tasked by the board to come up with um, effectively um, a roadmap of how we play as a club from cradle, um, or cradle to the graves are not the, the right term, but, you know, from yeah. under eights all the way through to first team and how we play. And Barry had been working on that for two years. Barry also, during his time with us, spent, I think, three weeks with Atletico Madrid um, studying them. And he was at Liverpool last year as well. So, um, so it's, it's, it's not a surprise and Barry is very confident in himself. And um, he would tell you that he'd been, you know, and he's very patient too. Graham, he had opportunities to go to other clubs, but he said to me, yeah, when, after we appointed Jim that time, I want to be patient. He said, I'll be Aberdeen manager one day. And um, so he, he's got off to a fantastic start. I love the term, we may be wrong, but we won't be confused. And there's absolutely no confusion over what Barry and the coaching staff demand of players in terms of fitness. Um, if you're going to play a pressing game, right, then you need to be fit. 
and um, it, the good news is we've had this whole preseason to go through that. You know, and I think, think some of the players that have joined us as well, you're right, have been kind of surprised after two, three days of training. They're absolutely knackered because of the demands that we're, we're putting on them. But uh, yeah, it should be a, listen, this, this should be a really exciting year. It should be very competitive. Hearts have invested and are very strong. Hibernian, every other, look how well Motherwell did last year, uh, season. It's going to be a very, very competitive league, which I think is healthy. Well, Dave, I, I take all that on board and it's exciting to hear. I, I don't want to tempt fate here, but we could do without another Don's trauma. I mean, please, God, let's just have an Aberdeen season of peace and progress and maybe a glint of silverware. The last thing you need is, is yeah, another press conference where you're having to tell the hacks that things just haven't worked out. I mean, all that. And I was there that night at Easter Road, and we don't need to go back into all. Oh, we, we know what happened. But all of that must be incredibly draining when there's adversity at the club you're trying to put on the map properly. So if you take a look at last season, you know, we started out um, good recruitment, started out pretty well um, right before the World Cup. We're third in the league. A um, couple of tough games when we came back. Obviously, we, we lost 1-0 to Celtic. It was close, but um, we, we, we hardly laid a glove on them. And then that loss to Rangers 3-2 after being 2-1 up with two uh, injury time minutes left and we lost two goals. Um, fast forward to January and uh, we got a standing ovation from our fans at Hamden um, for the way we played against Rangers, 10 men for most of it, including all of injury, uh, extra time and, and you lose 2-1 and then you have that week. Um, so uh, let, let's hope that this season doesn't have as many kind of uh, highs and lows. But I would tell you, we put a strategy in place in May of 2019, um, including um, seven pillars, including influencing Scottish football, um, fan engagement, all the stuff that is helping us grow our season ticket base and fan base. Um, and, and so for me, I don't believe in the poor me attitude. You know, I've got a strong faith, uh, Graham, and as you know, and... For me, um, when these things happen, um, if I'm going to panic, right, or think, poor me, why, why me, heart operation that week that we had with Hibs Hearts and Darville, then what's everybody else going to do? So um, I've got the grey hairs now and been in my 60s, and I've been through some stuff in my life. Um, but everybody at the club doubled down through that, and, and, and we committed again to the vision and strategy is the right one that we have. Clearly, and the, the importance of getting the manager right, it's the most important thing in football. I had a chat with Peter Lowell yesterday, got up with Peter, and it's the most important thing in football is the manager that you hire. Yeah, it's the catalyst. And, um, and that's the catalyst to, to kind of um, to everything because part of the frustration, Graham, was seeing everything we're doing off the field, you know, we've got the red shed experience. We've got the Aberdeen initiative where 10,000 primary school kids are free members of Aberdeen football club. They get vouchers for games. They come through the front doors, you know, they go into the, the changing rooms. They go into the media room, video shoot, um, pictures, 
signing for the Dons. I mean, as a seven-year-old kid, I would have loved that, being an Aberdeen fan. And we've 10,000 of them, right? And um, each year, 1,200 of them graduate into being teenagers. Uh, one thing um, uh, let me tell you about that I'm, we're really proud of is from right before COVID, right? Our paid season ticket holder base, about under 18s and under 12s, was at 17.5% of paid season tickets. Today, on a much larger season ticket base, that number is almost 26%. Oh, that's impressive. So yeah. the average age of our supporters coming to these games, and these are the fans of the future, Graham. So that investment in segmenting out primary school kids and the teenagers and making it price reasonable and nurturing them to be involved in the game is paying off for us. Obviously, the performances back end of the season help the season tickets as well in qualifying for uh, group stages. Um, one other thing, just to mention, I, I, I said earlier, I came off a call with Ian Maxwell, Neil Doncaster, Fiona McIntyre um, from, the, um, from the, the, the Women's League. And um, because we've hired Brendan Napier from Coors and X Sky as the first head uh, com of, he, commercial director for Scottish football marketing. So for the first time ever, and it's the right thing for us to do commercially, We've actually put together the inventory of the SPFL, the Women's League, and the SFA all into one um, all into one organisation. And rather than different organisations going out, maybe the same sponsors to sell them something, we're going out holistically to, to sponsors to say this is what we have to offer. And some sponsors may be interested, absolutely in supporting the women's game, like we found at Aberdeen uh, on the club side. Some might want to sponsor the Scottish Cup, um, et cetera, et cetera. But that's an important um, marker for Scottish football that Brendan's come, uh, coming on board, very, very significant driven leader that will bring, uh, will help us get towards that 50 million target that the SPFL has set over the next five, uh, to, to, to seven years. The other thing it will bring as well, Graham, is the branding and storytelling of Scottish football. We, as Scottish football across the board, need to decide what we want to be when we grow up. What do we want to be? What's the message we want to give, not just to sponsors, but to Scotland, to the government, to the communities? And the message that doesn't get out loud enough is that the investment that we make as the SFA, the SBFL, the Women's League, the investments that we make deliver significant social value. Even just at the grassroots level of the, the SFA, it's valued at a billion pounds a year within Scotland. At Aberdeen alone, we have 40 full-time staff work in our trust, charitable trust, and are delivering social programs in Aberdeen and Aberdeenshire at schools, primary schools, secondary schools on well-being, anti-bullying and stuff add significantly. And so part of this brief with Brendan and the team there is going to be the storytelling over who we are as Scottish football, because we get pilloried for, you know, incidents here and there, and maybe rightly so. But we also need to get it out there that we're a very good citizen and the power of football to changing people's lives, kids' lives, 
um, doesn't get recognised enough. So I'm excited from a Scottish football perspective with that. Uh, obviously, my good friend who passed away, Ron Gordon, um, you know, Ron would have been doing chairing this group as opposed to me. But, um, you know, I, I spent a good bit of time with Ron over a couple of years um, just brainstorming some of this. And the culmination of this, and principally driven by Ron, um, is this Scottish football marketing um, a group um, that will hopefully drive um, significant value um, and positive storytelling about how good Scottish football is. It, within the Aberdeen FC structure, Dave, um, I'm a I'm a paid up member of the Allen Burroughs fan club. I've known this guy since his Motherwell days and dealt with him. Uh, a good, decent, open, talented, hardworking bloke. What difference has he made to the Dons? Uh, listen, I, I can tell you that um, myself and Stuart Milne had been kind of looking for about 18 months, two years um, for um, a chief executive to come in. Because um, in essence, I had the office of the president. I had, you know, I had, I had the commercial, the financial, and the Stephen Gunn and the football side re reporting into me. Um, and I, in, in effect, was the, the CEO. Um, but 90 days a year um, in Scotland doesn't really cut it, you know, in terms of you could do all these Zoom calls, blah, blah, blah. But we wanted to wait for the right individual. And when Alan became available, and I, I probably got to know Alan better than any other executive, maybe other than Ron, um, but certainly chief executive on the ground there um, over the last six years. And so, and Alan and I had often talked over time just about the, the things he's doing at Motherwell, the things we're doing at Aberdeen with our communities, you know, with segmenting supporters. The message that you give to an adult who's in their forties to come to potentially persuade a season ticket company game is totally different to primary school kids, right? And you need to segment these groups and talk to them separately. And Alan is all about that. So what we've got in Alan, or what I've got in Alan is he's taken a tremendous weight off of me um, as kind of chairman. Um, he's, uh, I'm not sure he's as impatient as me. Um, he's a very good manner with people. He's a very straight shooter and he is also someone driven to, 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 to meet higher targets and aspirations that we have uh, as, as a club. So um, it's, a bit, he's, <laughs> it's a bit like Alan's been drinking from a fire hydrant, as they say here in the States, since he got here. But it's all been very positive um, because obviously with, with Barry coming in, the results are back end of the season. Um, and, uh, but no, I, listen, um, I enjoy working. We have a good laugh as well. Um, you know, uh, um, he, he takes a piss out of me and <laughs> I take the piss out of him on some stuff because if you didn't laugh with the intensity of Scottish football, you know, you'd probably cry, you know? And so we do have a good kind of laugh as well about stuff, but Alan has made a significant difference and is just doing one or two tweaks and reorganizing things within the club, um, especially with, with Rob Wicks, our commercial director, who did a fantastic job for us over five years, who's now managing director of uh, PNJ Live or 
um, tech at the exhibition center at, at Aberdeen, uh, who stays a, a close friend. But Alan's making uh, a real kind of uh, difference by being on the ground and by being a leader on the ground. Things like recently, like getting that slight expansion of the red shed uh, in agreement with the city council and, and taking down the fence that's been there for 20 years, that fixed fence and the away section to give us more flexibility for like if clubs might bring, some clubs only bring 200 fans and these are the best seats in the house. But Alan drove those projects and worked with the council and the stakeholders to get stuff like that done. So he's making a big difference and he's, um, he's making life easier for me. When, when, when the Dons play Motherwell at Petaudry's, is it okay for Alan to wear his Motherwell scarf in the director's box or is that not allowed? <laughs> I think Alan will probably be sick that day. <laughs> he'll, watch, he'll be watching on Red TV. Listen, Dave, Dave, this is one of the things, I, I don't know why, because I don't know why I find it funny and even a bit odd, because players and managers and everybody in business, we migrate everywhere. It doesn't matter at all. It's the way life is. But I can't get out, for some reason, I can't get out of my head how passionate Alan Burroughs was, and I'm sure deep in his heart is about Motherwell. I mean, there, so, so him being... The chief exec at Aberdeen is totally normal and totally right and totally good for Aberdeen. It's brilliant. But I can't get out of my head this motherful thing. I just find it, I don't know why. I find it bizarre and I find it comical. Well, I, I, you know, I, ima I imagine, you know, Aberdeen are 2-0 up. I mean, this is the kind of calamity only the Dons are capable of. They're 2-0 they're up at home to Motherwell with 90 seconds to go and... Mother will get get a goal back, and then in the fourth minute of added time, Mother will equalise to make it two two. And the Aberdeen chief exec sitting in his chair, wondering whether to whether to laugh or cry. You know, I find it strange. Well, I never thought of that. Actually, it would be an interesting <laughs> situation. But listen, there's no doubt about Alan's love and the commitment that he gave over 15 years, nine as chief executive at Motherwell. Nobody can deny him the opportunity. He had opportunities in England. He had an opportunity in the States as well. Um, but, um, you know, fortunately, we, we were able to sit down and persuade him. I think if uh, uh, I saw a recent article that uh, interview that Alan had done that, and I don't think people realize how big Aberdeen is and, and the importance of the football club within the city until you get here and you get in amongst it, you know? Um, I think gone are the days of the sweetie paper rustling in the stands. At oh, the that's point. what they used to complain about in the 80s. I think Fergie, was it Fergie who first coined that phrase? It might have been. Yeah, I think it was Fergie. With the tartan yeah. rugs over the knees and rustling <laughs> of sweetie papers. That's just in the director's box in winter now. <laughs> yeah, I think oh, Aberdeen... Alan's doing well. Listen, we get on with everybody in Scottish football. Not all the time, right? Because there's disagreements on things. And that's okay. It's healthy. You know, constructive debate is healthy, you know. Um, but I think the clearly the position that Celtic and Rangers are in with the investments they're making, you know, spending five, six, seven million on players, you know, um, having kind of six times the turnover 
that clubs like maybe Aberdeen Hearts and Hibs have, never mind the other clubs. Mm. You know, it's um, it, it's tough. But you know, you start every season with no points. Nobody's got a point. And if last season proved anything, right, uh, you've got to wait for 38 games to be over before you start shouting, you know, uh, or decrying people, you know. <laughs> And I, and, I, and I wouldn't like to go through that um, period that we went through. And obviously we were third and then we went to seventh after that Hibs game and then back and, and grabbed third place. Um, but it's all good for Scottish football. Um, and, um, and, and I think crowds are up across the board. It's a, it's a, it's a brilliant football club uh, you've got, Dave. Um, I think back to my to my own experience and my goodness, I'm aging myself now, but my childhood was um, the Aberdeen, well, my, my very, very early childhood was the Aberdeen of Joe Harper and Arthur Graham. And then uh, I even remember uh, Willie Young at Aberdeen and oh, Drew, yeah. Jarv- Drew Jarvey coming on the scene and then the Ali McLeod era and Billy McNeil. Over there. And in, in my journalism career, gosh, it's scary to say this. When I think now of the... <clears throat> times I've sat in an Aberdeen manager's office interviewing the Aberdeen manager. Uh, so I interviewed Jim Goodwin. I interviewed Derek McInnes. Uh, I, uh, I interviewed Willie Miller. Um, I interviewed oh, Roy Aitken back in the 90s. Um, yeah. I interviewed Mark McGee. I can go all the way back to Alex Smith. I, I, even, I even first attended a press conference with Ian Porterfield. So goodness me wow. so that shows how much i'm knocking on but yeah and, and every time i went to Petodre, i always loved the experience of being inside Petodre, and the football club being like this great beacon this sentinel in the northeast of scotland that represented this fan base and this community At that for me that's one of the magical points of aberdeen fc it's geographical and city symbolism you know it's, it's brilliant yeah just you just reminded me there remember willie young's last game for aberdeen you know that was in the period after eddie turnbull had left and um jimmy bondrone who was a great coach but not really probably a manager or man manager and we went through some tough two or three seasons but back then you didn't get rid of managers easily you know um and uh, jimmy bondrone at the end had to resign right he didn't get fired you know, um, but you remember, I forget who we were playing, but Willie Young took his shirt off, threw it in the dugout at Jimmy Bonethrone, and that was his last game for Aberdeen. I think on the Monday we sold him to Spurs. They played for Spurs and Arsenal. I can't remember which one he went to, but we we sold Willie. Um, right after that, he was gone, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, some cracking players over the years. I mean, Arthur Graham stayed with Aberdeen till 1976, 77. Then he went down to Leeds. Eh? Yeah. Um, what a player! Whoa, what a what an absolute um, player he was. You know, one of the funny things is, I go around when I'm home. I go around the lounges and all over Petodre because we use every nook and cranny for 900 people to dine in one shape or form before you know, uh, hospitality wise. You know, and we've got some old guys there, uh, led by King Joey Harper. He is the lead kind of yes. ambassador, and he gets the, the guys there, <laughs> some of the ex-players, even guys like Chalky White, 
who played in the 1967 Cup final against Celtic, right? And I'm turning around to people and going, have you met so-and-so? And they have no idea who it was. I said, what do you mean you don't know this, this guy? Joe Harper, this guy's a legend. He said, I'm only 11 years old, Mr. Cormack. <laughs> you know? That's the thing. Yeah, Dave, I get that. I get that all the time. I mean, I'm, I'm amazed. Um, I meet kids who are 16 just now, young kids down here in Ayrshire. They're 16 years old. They play football. They love football. Um, and maybe they're, they're a Celtic fan. They've never heard of Henrik Larsson. And and of and of course that's how it is. I when I was a little wow. kid, I, I didn't know players in the nineteen forties. Of course I didn't. But but you know it's it's you find it bizarre, don't you? You find it crazy that somebody wouldn't know King Joey or or somebody uh -huh. like that. It's just the way life is. Dave, listen. When you mentioned just a couple of things before we finish, because we need to finish up here, or else we'll we'll talk all day. Um, <clears throat> Petardry itself. Um, what's happening with the stadium? I mean, I I know there there's. There have been various avenues explored. Tell me this. What are the chances of Aberdeen FC being at Petaudry in 20 years' time in a revamped stadium? Are the chances of that next to nil? Well, I think our first priority has to be to continue to, to, to play out the... Um, uh, the proposals that Aberdeen City Council have got for the regeneration of Aberdeen and Union Street, downtown basically, and, and the beachfront. We obviously had a change in uh, administration, the City Council, in May of last year. And, um, um, but you know, behind the scenes, there's work going on, but very firmly the ball is in um, Aberdeen City Council's kind of court. Um, with respect to um, what goes on, you know, at the beachfront, um, you will have seen some stuff from uh, Westminster um, in the last few days about significant investment in Aberdeen's infrastructure to transition Aberdeen into being the renewable energy capital of the world. And that's not a term I coined. That was a term that the that Nicholas Sturgeon coined um, is not for Aberdeen to be the renewable capital energy of Scotland or the UK or Europe, but of the world. And in order to do that, Aberdeen needs significant investment. Union Street is an absolute disaster zone. It's an embarrassment. It used to be the, the jewel in the crown, that granite mile. Um, and so if we're going to attract companies and their families with new renewable, renewable energy as we transition from fossil fuel, oil and gas, we're going to attract these uh, companies. They're choosy these days. They come up and they'll take a look and say, what's the infrastructure like in Aberdeen? What's the schooling like in Aberdeen? What's the shopping like in Aberdeen? What are the things for us to do? We just shut down the leisure centre. Okay, where's the nearest equivalent leisure centre now? Graham, it's Dundee. I mean, for a city like Aberdeen, wow. we need to be yeah, we shut it down. It's, it's in the process, I believe, of being demolished, right? Because it's end of life. So for me personally, as an Aberdonian and as a business guy, um, if Aberdeen is going to capture these potential thousands and thousands of renewable energy jobs, because there's competition down in Teesside and Newcastle, significant competition, right? And, um, and these wind farms that have licenses have been um, granted off of Aberdeen, 
off of the coast, right? Then, you know, for us to grow as a city, we have to have capital investment. And if the beachfront is, is going to be successful, you need an anchor tenant. And the city came to us to say, we can't afford to have Aberdeen leave the city centre. The last administration, we want to build, help build and work with an integrated state-of-the-art leisure centre and stadium that would be the anchor. And you may or may not have seen, we presented, and this was a paper that was presented. Uh, this is a paper that was invested in, uh, an economist did for us. Um, not just Aberdeen Football Club, it was the city council. We shared the cost of this economic report. And it, it, it said, if Aberdeen Football Club moved to a new facility that's their purpose built, right? Um, it will help the city generate uh, a, a, the economic uplift with jobs, etc. over 50 years would be at least a billion pounds of upside, right? And so when you think of, of that, if I think of any project here in Atlanta with Atlanta United's new stadium with Mercedes-Benz, which the Falcons play in as well, every area that's renovated, right, needs an anchor tenant. And, and for the city, it's the football club. So that's our, um, so the position we're in is we're, we're in a holding pattern. I would like to think by the end of this year, there will be uh, more meat on the bones of where the next step goes, wherever that is. But we've spent significant money in horizontal development, few million, getting Kingsford, Cormac Park now ready for the new stadium. So um, from our perspective, it's, it's we need a new purpose-built stadium. Pataudry's not fit for purpose. Um, we keep investing significantly maintenance-wise each year. We've mm -hmm. had to do stuff this summer because of UEFA and the group stages, lights, et cetera, dugout chain, the, the changes in dugouts, et cetera. Um, but if we're going to build a state-of-the-art stadium for the next 100 years, right, uh, we need also need the capital for selling Pataudry, whether that's 15, 16, 17, 18 million, whatever the value is. That's a, that's a critical part of what we need to, to do this work. Whether we build at Kingsford, which is what we got permission for, or which would be our preferred option would be to work with the city council and stay in Aberdeen City. Okay. Well, that's a, that's a saga that's going to continue. Um, I, I'm a, like I said to you before, I'm, I am a dreadful nostalgist and I, I deplore the idea of Aberdeen FC leaving Pataudry, but I kind of know my, my head tells me it's got to happen for for very many good reasons, it's kind of got to happen. But anyway, um, I just wanted to touch base on that. Dave, well, it'll be Graham. Listen, at the end of the day, it will be. We will be. We we've got a strategy. We've got a vision, and we will continue to. Uh, I mean, I mean, part of what we're doing with this away end of Petodri is making twenty five percent more concessions available because of the queues we've got in the south stand and and new toilet facilities because. You know, we just have to, we just have to do that, and um, and 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 a lot of that comes down to um, it being economically justified. Okay, even we got permission tomorrow to move wherever to, to and we move stadiums. It was all funded and planned out. It would be four or five seasons before we'd move, right? 
Um, but uh, yeah, listen, I'm, um, it will be what it will be, but we will, as, as, as usual, as custodians, listen, at the end of the day, I'm a fan of the club. Um, I've obviously been very kind of blessed financially with the career I've had in, in particular here out in the States. But, um, you know, I, I love the club. We love our home city. My wife and I have still got about 40 family members there. Um, you know, Aberdeen is Aberdeen. Um, hmm. And um, full, full of loons and quines, the only place <laughs> in Scotland. And um, you must you know, love I, it when Dave, you must love it when you fly into Aberdeen. You must have a brilliant feeling of homecoming. Yeah, listen, I, yes, we do. I mean, even when we lived in London for nine years, and we've been, we've been gone since 90, end of 1986, nine years in London and 27, almost 20, 28 years here in Atlanta and in the United States. Um, but Aberdeen is home. My wife and I are the only ones that left from our family. Right, we're the only ones. So my, my brother, his family, their cousins. Um, my wife has got two sisters, brother, um, nieces, nephews, who are now got their own kids. And so um, we love spending time with our family, whether they're coming out here um, or we we go home. And it it still is home, you know. It's weird in saying that because we've been here in the in the same house for twenty seven years in Atlanta, but. Um, Aberdeen's a special place, you know, um, we like to moan at each other, but any outsiders that want to moan at us, they just ought to be aware, right, Graham? <laughs> yes, yes. Well, listen, Dave, I, I, I always enjoy catching up with you, so I need to end this podcast, but I, I wanted to say thank you once again for your time. I, I, I love chatting to you. Um, it's an exciting season ahead a really exciting season ahead for Aberdeen I I my my charge to you is to take your club to third in the league and win the Scottish Cup you've only got to beat Brendan Rodgers and Celtic and Michael Beale and Rangers and Hearts and Hibs get the job done and then um and that'll be it that's the task facing you third in the league and a cup well, I'll um, I'll um, I'll pass that on to Barry because um, <laughs> I haven't talked to Barry for over a week now, um, and because I let them kind of get on with that stuff. But uh, I always put a call into him the day before a game, just to, a bit of encouragement and just kind of to catch up. So I'll tell Barry your demands the night. <laughs> Thanks for your time, Dave. It's been great chatting to you. You too, Graham. Take care. Thank you. A big thanks to Graham Spears for allowing us to play that out. And you can listen to loads of football interviews from Graham on his Press Box podcast on Patreon for as little as €2.50 a month. Graham currently has a run of live interviews from the Edinburgh Fringe, including the likes of Tam Cowan, Jack Monroe, Billy Kay, Tom Robertson, Leslie Riddich, Tom English, Andy Burnham, Ken Loach, Jeremy Corbyn, Anna Sarwer and Eddie Reader coming up through this month. League Cup action this Friday away to Stirling Albion. Kick-off at Fourth Bank is at 7.45pm. Tickets are still on sale for this one. £18 for adults and £12 for concessions. You can purchase them online at tickets.afc.co.uk. Elsewhere in the League Cup on Saturday at 12.30, it's Rangers versus Greenock Morton. 
It's 3pm kickoffs between Airdrie Unions and Ross County. Air United are away to Livingston and St Mirren are at home to Motherwell. And on Sunday, 2pm kickoffs between Hearts and Partick Thistle and Hibs and Wraith Rovers. And then 3 o'clock for Kilmarnock versus Celtic. Before I go, if you had problems streaming the podcast on Spotify last week, that's all fixed now. So if Spotify is your preferred podcast platform of choice, fill your boots on there. If you're heading to the Cap Game on Friday, enjoy that one. Safe travels. And I'll be back next Sunday with all the latest Dons news on the AFC Donscast. Till then, keep up to date with all the latest on our socials on X, Facebook, Threads and Mastodon. You'll find us on there at AFC Donscast. And of course, the website, afcdonscast.co.uk. Ha, 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 ha.